You're listening to Code Chefs, the podcast for hungry developers. Buckle down and ready up. We're serving JavaScript, web design, soft skills, back-end development, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Vincent Tang and Herman Gamboa. Order up! Welcome to Code Chefs, the podcast for hungry web developers. I'm your host today, Vincent, and with my co-host is... Herman Gamboa. Hi, guys. And, yes, we're both full-stack developers from Central Florida. And for today's topic, we're going to be doing a talk on Fitness 101 for developers. So, as you might know already, as a developer, you just tend to be working on long streams of coding for hours on end, just sitting on on your desk, working out those last few commits before you make that pull request. And sometimes you just forget to put an exercise in your daily routine, and then you you go back home, or if if you're working from home, and then you go go to sleep for the night, you, you sometimes might overeat throughout the day or you might not eat enough. And it's an important thing to, to keep note of uh, how you are doing mentally as well as physically. So this topic is going to be covering a little bit about how do you stay fit and healthy, as well as if you're going through transition from, say, trying to lose weight and lose fat, what are some tips and strategies that that you can employ from both our own experiences, as well as just some research we've done online, as well as if you're kind of going the opposite direction as well, if you want to actually gain weight and gain muscular mass, what are the different approaches and what are the different methodologies out there? We're by no means experts at this topic, just because we don't have a nutritional background. We don't have a medical background either. Everything we know we're talking about, you could take with a grain of salt, but this is stuff that worked. We Googled it. <laughs> it's just stuff that worked for us personally and just just a, a combination of just research that we just aggregated from actual reputable sources. So that's how, how we're going from here. So, uh, German, do you want to start off? Yeah. So our main, th- our main point right here is to start off is we know that staying fit and healthy as a developer takes a lot of work, right? There's always food, which is kind of a funny thing ever since I... So before I actually worked in the restaurant business, there was always food, but it wasn't really there for you to eat it. But as soon as I started working as a developer, like there's always food to you, whether that is coffee, whether that is chips, cookies, whatever. Some companies will even feed you lunch. It's even worse if you're working from home because then your pantry is only a few steps away. Like it's just a funny, it's a funny side note. I'm working from home right now. And literally, like if I turn my head to the right, my pantry is right there where all the all the snacks I have. I'm looking at my pantry right now too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can see your your couch is in between you and your pantry, man. I have nothing stopping me. Like I'll just walk straight in there, which it makes it, it takes effort, right? And a lot of times we're sitting down, even if we have standing desks. Face it, not everybody stands up regularly. We'll be sitting there, and sometimes you get stressed, and it gets worse. I mean, I'm a stress eater, so sometimes I'll be sitting there, like the deadline's coming up, and I'm stressed out because I can't figure something out. And I'll go out and start eating, and start eating, and start eating, and you end up getting more stressed out because you're overeating, uh, and then you eat more. It's it's kind of a horrible thing. So yeah, and I know it all comes down to a lot of discipline, but a lot of the times the environments we're faced in doesn't don't are not very conductive right even just going for a cup of coffee you don't realize if you're going to starbucks you're getting one of those coffees that's like 99 percent sugar one person coffee oh, that's the later yes so i guess we're going to start where most developers are at i know that's where i'm personally at right now and it's weight loss so i guess winston you want to talk to us want to start off the weight loss part i know the first thing we want to kind of cover here is like how do you know if you actually need to lose weight right i know we know it's like a function of how much body fat do you really have yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm going to go over kind of like my personal experience of going through a weight loss phase, which I kind of did for the first time at the start of this year. So as you were saying earlier, like the environment that you set up for yourself, I mean, we're in quarantine right now and it's actually kind of like the end of like near the end of COVID. So it's kind of like a weird time to be talking about this topic. But before 
when life was still normal, when I moved over from Orlando to Tampa for the first time, like I would just eat out all the time with at new restaurants and coworkers would take me out. And I just got really fat, honestly, just from enjoying all the food out there. And that wasn't really a good, a good lifestyle habit to have. And sometimes I'll go drink with friends and then have that beer belly and, you know, all those other issues would kind of persist over time. And so kind of at the start of the the year in January, I kind of like, I, I was wearing like size 34 waist pants and I couldn't fit in them anymore just because I just got too fat. I was like 192 pounds, which for me is considered pretty high just based on like, like kind of like my stature and how, how big I am already, how tall I am, et cetera. And at that came point, like I should probably just start going or undergoing a weight loss phase instead, instead of bulking up, which was what I was originally doing. So going through that transition from just like eating surplus of calories to eating deficit in calories was actually a difficult transition for me. So to kind of give you some background in terms of how weight loss actually works, there is a daily caloric intake of how much is recommended every day for based on your, your age, your your weight, and your height. And you can use a lot of calorie counters online to, to estimate what these numbers are. And I'm speaking from a, a guy's experience, right? For girls, it's probably different. I don't really know how that works. But for guys, for someone between 20 to 40, which is kind of the typical age for a software developer, and I weigh about 160 pounds now, but before I was weighing 190, but my caloric intake based on my lifestyle, which primarily consisted of me just sitting around, um, was about 2,600, 2,700 calories a day. And I think you're the same too, German, right? Roughly, give or take. Yeah. Yeah. It's roughly. So, I mean, a, we, we did the math right before the episode started. <laughs> yeah. We went on, like, I forgot which calculator we use online, but we use a calculator um, online. We use a couple of calculators. Calculator. calculator. Yeah, calculator.net. We'll put that, put that in the show notes. We'll put that in the show notes. Calculator. Right. Anyways. We'll forget about it. <laughs> making notes ourselves anyways it, so if you're if you're trying to lose weight right what you have to know is some of the basic facts about nutrition right so 2600 calories is how much energy you need per day to to maintain your current current weights but if you're trying to lose weight you should you should have a deficit of calories so the calculation is about 3500 calories is equal to a pound of weight right not necessarily a pound of fat just a pound of weight and, and that pound of weight is consistent of of, of both fat and muscle at the same time. So if you're trying to lose weight, right, and you usually calculate by the week, if there's seven days and there's 3,500 calories, that's roughly 500 calories per day that you want to be in deficit. If you're trying to go for one pound of weight loss per week. So the recommended amount that you should lose is about one to two pounds if you're undergoing a weight loss phase. So that's anywhere from saying 500 calories to 8,000 calories a day in deficit of what you traditionally eat. So for most training routines, it's usually going to be about like 1,700 to 2,000 calories is how much you should consume. So so that's kind of just like a little bit of background in terms of like how that works. Do you want to talk about some of the other topics related to weight loss, German? Definitely. So uh, just to recap on what you said, I know it might sound complex because you're thinking about body fat on the statement, but basically it's when it comes to just eat less, you, you want to eat less than what your body actually burns in one day. And here's the funny part about that, that I, a lot of people forget is a lot of times when you start losing weight, you also have to keep in mind as you lose weight, you burn less or your body becomes more efficient at using stuff. So you actually have to keep adjusting that. It's not just a one-time thing. But anyways, another part that's important in weight loss is obviously exercise. And it's not just eating. It's actually also working out. That way you don't have to necessarily cut down as much all the food you're going to eat. You can kind of make up with that. Either make up that deficit either by eating or working out. Now, one cool thing about working out in my experience has been like, the more I work out, 
my food, my body starts craving different types of foods, right? Like if you, when you're working out, you're probably not going to be super hungry for that, like little, for that little greasy burger. You're probably going to, your body's probably going to want something more substantial. That's, that's at least my experience of how it felt. So yeah, working out is very important and we'll be covering a bunch of different workouts that you can do later on because there's a lot of different methodologies and ideas when it comes to working out. But again, it's just to get your body moving. But the one thing I do want to take a second to talk about is the one thing I'm, I'm currently doing right now. So unlike Vincent, I haven't lost the weight I needed to lose. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually 50 pounds overweight. So I'm, I'm, I'm right now at 215. I need to get myself down to like, I think... 165? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's my good weight right now. That's my ideal weight right now. That's the weight I was before I started dating my wife. Um, <laughs> that's, that was literally my weight. That's that's how how much I weighed when I met her. But anyways, so my goal is to get back there. So one thing I, I do a lot is I like to intermediately fast. Now, what does that mean? There's different like I there's different like sorts of it. But for me personally, I, I like to do the 20 hours not eating and then four hours, a four-hour feeding window. So for me, basically, like I'll eat from five to nine o'clock at night. And then from those other times, I'm not really allowed to eat anything, right? I mean, you still drink water. You can still drink coffee, maybe put a little bit of milk in your coffee, but obviously not a ton of sugar. But that's one thing I do to kind of help me lose weight apart from working out. And I think another important part there that I want to mention is actually getting sleep. Depriving yourself from sleep throws your body into all sorts of like crazy funky situations that even if you're doing the right things, uh, you'll probably end up still gaining weight from not sleeping. That's true. Yeah, there's a lot, again, there's always, this topics always get kind of weird because the more you talk about them, the more you realize there's a lot, but I guess a, a, a good important part about this is, again, it's kind of, you want to kind of have a goal of what you're losing weight for. It's not just, I want to lose weight to lose weight. You have to have a reason why, whether it's, you want to look good, which is completely a, a completely valid reason, or you actually want to be healthy in the long run, right? Because being overweight comes with its challenges, especially as you get older, uh, your body's not going to like you for it. You're going to have obesity issues. You're going to have increased cholesterol intake. You have higher blood pressure. And that definitely does lead to a shorter lifestyle or shorter longevity. Lifestyle. Yeah. Both actually. <laughs> Both shorter actually. lifestyle and shorter lifestyle. Actually, I remember when I, when I first went under went like weight loss training. This was like back in January. Yeah. So like one of those, one of those things was I couldn't fit in my current, current pants. And the other thing, reason was, is I was training for a obstacle course race, like a mud race. It's kind of like Tough Mudder or this one was called Savage Race. And I had to actually be in really good shape at a cardio uh, at a cardiovascular level where I can actually run for, you know, a, a good period of time and then do like actual like like Ninja Warriors type obstacles where I can actually like do monkey bars, climbing upward and all these other things. And none of, that, none of those things were possible for me at the time because I weighed too much. And it was very hard to like actually do sort of like calisthenic or body muscle exercises. So I figured, you know, I, I should just go undergo a weight loss phase and actually kind of maintain a healthier lifestyle instead. Because I was still working out at the time, but like going then that shift from like eating in surplus over to eating in deficit was actually pretty challenging for me. And you were saying that earlier, you're going, you're going through intermittent fasting, which I, I did to some extent as well. What I found personally that worked for me is actually increasing the amount of fats I took every day. Like I would still go for like roughly, I think between 1,700, 2,000 calories a day, which for me, because I was living a pretty moderately active lifestyle, which if you're if you're exercising every day, you're increasing your metabolism, you're increasing the amount of energy you burn, which then increases the amount of your 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 daily caloric intake that you need. So you actually you can actually consume more if you're exercising more and still lose weight. So kind of what I did to go through these like these periods where I, I would 
kind of starve off hunger because that was kind of like the biggest issue when you're transitioning from eating too much to eating eating less. I think I reduced the amount of calories like by 1100 roughly, give or take. And my body just wasn't feeling good at the time because, you know, you're, you're basically starving your body at that point. So what I did is there are a couple tips uh, and tricks to, to satisfy your appetite for long periods of time. One is intermittent fasting if you eat at certain times of the day. Another thing is increasing the amount of fats you take because those fats will actually satiate your body a little more and you won't feel as hungry. So what I did is I went through a lot of different recipes, a lot of different things to see what I could try and what, what actually worked for me. And what's important for at least for, for weight loss tra- or weight loss nutrition or weight loss meal plans is you have to eat something they actually like. So for me, I, I just tried out many different smoothie recipes. I bought a blender for the first time because making cereal in the morning just took too long. I wanted something that I could just take as a liquid meal and just like down and down right away. So I could take my supplements all in one go. It's just all part of like that whole phase of your environment that you're setting up for yourself. Right. So what I did is I took almonds. Uh, so I have this like smoothie blend that I use every day and it's really good. And I look forward to it every, every morning, but it's a mixture of almonds, which kind of provides a lot of polyunsaturated fats as well as protein, protein powder, which even if you're undergoing a weight loss phase, you should still be working out. But you should also, depending on the amount of mass, depending on the amount of weight you have, you should still be consuming a certain number of grams of protein per day to maintain as much muscular volume as possible. So the calculation is about 0.55 to 0.8 grams per amount of weight you have. So for you, German, you're at 215 pounds. You would have to consume roughly 160 grams of protein a day in order to maintain your muscular strength. I mean, assuming you're actually doing the same workouts every day when you're undergoing weight loss. Because ideally, when you're, when you're undergoing weight loss, you're always going to lose muscle mass, but you want to minimize the amount of muscle mass you, lo- you lose, if that makes sense. Right. So for me, I take that daily protein smoothie just because it's controlled. The most important thing when you're going through any sort of a nutrition plan or any sort of diet plan is you have as many controlled things as possible. So if you eat out like once or if you eat out twice a day, you're having a lot of variability in your diet every day. And it's very hard to predict how many calories you're taking in, how much protein is in it, how many carbs are in it, and how many how much fat is in it because you didn't prepare it. So what I do is I kind of load in that smoothie with a lot of protein and fats just because I know I'll get carbs throughout the day. So I'll put an eighth cup of almonds, one and a half scoops of protein powder, and half a banana for, for the potassium intake and a lot of other things. Then I'll put in some frozen blueberries from Publix and then like a cup of uh, 2% milk. And I'll blend it in and, it, and it's like roughly five 600 calories. It's really dense in protein as well as in, in fats. And I'll throw whipped cream on top. So <laughs> just to make it taste good. And I drink that two or three times a day, just depending on like if I'm going undergoing a weight loss phase, I'll drink it twice a day. If I'm going through a weight gain phase for, for, for bulking up, I'll go, I'll drink it three times a day, but I'll take their supplements at the same time as well. So I'll take omega three fish oils, multivitamins and, and, and that's pretty much it. So that's, that's what I did. And it worked for me. And then during quarantine, since I didn't go out very often, I just actually ate a lot of frozen dinners, which all of my friends make fun of me for it, but it worked for me. So that that's kind of like my my sort of meal plan that worked. I kind of found foods that were filling that weren't high in caloric amounts. So yeah, water is another thing. You, if you drink more water, you're not going to feel as hungry. If you eat celery, it, it, you're satiating yourself in that you're, it feels like you're eating something, but it's very low in caloric intake as well. Certain veggies like, like I think broccoli and cauliflower feel very filling, even though they're not very high in calories. So there, there are those strategies as well for like psychologically thinking that you're getting more than you are. 
And so that's one way of combating that. Correct. And then eating out, it's the worst thing when it comes to kind of like maintaining a healthy weight because there's a reason that food is really good, right? Because they're basically... Uh, what's that one lady that cooks with butter? Uh, Paula Dean. Paula Dean. They're basically, oh my going, God. <laughs> they're basically Paula going for Paula Dean on that food. Like that thing is covered in salt and butter and fat. That's 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 what really makes it taste so good. So it's that's why you want to kind of watch out what you're eating out. Try like you can basically have the same things if you make them at home because then you can control how much how much of that goodness you're putting in. It, if <laughs> you say it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing is actually that that was actually shocking to me is how many calories are in the equivalent of one alcoholic drink, right? So oh, yes. a, an alcoholic beverage can be, you know, like a White Claw, which is 5% alcohol content. You can have something that's higher, like whiskey, which I believe is 40% or 80 proof, I think. Uh, wine is about 15% or 30 proof. And the rough calculations of, of the equivalent of one drink of alcohol is anywhere between 60 to 160 calories, depending on what you're drinking. If you're drinking beer, I think it's on the higher end. If you're drinking hard liquor, it's about 60 to 70 for, I believe, whiskey. And then White Claw is like 100, which is a yeah. hard seltzer water. So Liquor again, is sugar. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, that, it's that sugar content. And you don't want to have those simple uh, the simple carbohydrates, generally speaking, when you're putting that in your diet. You always want complex carbohydrates, such as um, mm-hmm. rice or beans or pasta, because it keeps you satiated for much longer. You don't have giant energy spikes it's just more consistent throughout the day but yeah the whole alcohol was actually very surprising to me that it had that many calories in it even for hard liquor just because actually yesterday yesterday was july 4th this is when we're we're recording on july 5th and i probably had like seven drinks probably over the course of the day and like damn i I probably consumed roughly four or five thousand calories already that day and now i'm like on an intermittent fasting period where i just skipped all of my morning meals because i was still kind of full throughout the day and Today is kind of like a half day for me. So it's just like a recovery phase. So just always be cognizant of like when you're going out, it, it could really mess up your diet like really quickly. So Yes. I know for me, like the worst defenders is to eat beer. Back before we were before we were confined to our home. I know I know this situation has ended for a couple of people, but Orlando kind of like we're special. We're still way behind the curve. So just obviously not really safe to go outside when not many places are open. But there used to be a place called Cloak and Blaster where I would literally go on a Friday night and end up drinking like six, ten beers. That's the gaming bar, right? Yes, it's a really good place. I haven't been there yet. I heard I heard it before. Yeah. Oh, and I and I still sometimes even go pick up their curbside because you can pick up a bunch of like craft beers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beer is a really, really bad offender. It's basically people jokingly call it liquid bread. Uh, yeah, it's liquid bread. But now that you're talking about drinks, I kind of wanted to point out something from earlier, which is coffee. Maybe you want to switch to like drinking black coffee. Yeah, or some, not something bitter, but like just don't go to Starbucks for coffee because that is not coffee. That is sugar. <laughs> mocha latte, which is like 1% coffee, 30% sugar, 80% cream. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's not <laughs> What wakes you up there is not the caffeine. You're, re- it's gonna be all the sugar that you're gonna get hit, hit with. So what I've taken, especially because I do intermittent fasting, I'll still drink a coffee, but I'll put a little bit of milk just to kind of sweeten it up a little bit. I mean, it's gonna be kind of come down to individual tastes, right? But just mm-hmm. try to watch out. Like a lot of drinks that you get when you're outside, whether they're alcoholic or things like that, are 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 not worth it. Right? You you probably rather eat solid food than drink it, except if it's a smoothie. But I mean, that's personal preference. 
That's true. Yeah, yeah. Or you can get tea as well. This is another option. I don't drink either of them. I don't have any caffeine in my diet at all. I try to stay off of it. How do you do it, man? I don't know. I just naturally got used to it. I'm actually probably thinking about taking pre-workout, which is like a mixture of different things before you go to the gym. Wait, do you take it? Uh, do you take pre-workout? I, we'll talk about it in a bit. I try. I tried it out like a like a half a scoop <laughs> and like how much 100 milligrams of, of caffeine feels to me is actually a lot. <laughs> Did you get those tingles like all over your body? It's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get those singles all over your yeah. body. It's just why I kind of stay away from caffeine. I don't try to rely on it. Oh, we were talking Not about... Um, oh, also on the topic of food, eating out, there are... So if you're really, really serious about weight loss, um, one of the things that you'll do is have a game plan every day in terms of like how many times you eat out at most a day, which I limit myself to one just so I have a, a lot of controlled amounts of things that I'm eating every day. Like I know how much like what I'm getting on my protein smoothies in the morning and what I'm getting out of like my my public sandwiches. Well, actually that's, that's if you're eating out, but like one of the things that I eat particularly that has like a good balance of, of like protein, carbs and fats, at least, at least in my mind is going to Publix. If you, if you're in like Florida, if you're in like the Southeast side of the USA and getting like a Publix chicken tender wrap, like not the chicken tender sub, but the wrap and putting just like minimal amount of mayonnaise, minimal amount of like sauce and everything else. And and it's just literally fried chicken with some veggies. And that's just one example. You can actually see how many calories that meal is based on all of the information that's readily available online. So that's another way you can actually incorporate controlled calorie intake based on things you find from like established chain restaurants, if that makes sense. So another good example might be Chipotle or Chick-fil-A, or even McDonald's, because all of their information is online. So just be aware that if if you go to like more of like a traditional mom-and-pop restaurant, you're going to have a hard time predicting the calorie intake, <laughs> just because that information is not readily available. The, the servings they give you might vary between one day and another. So just be cognizant of that. So it's always a good idea to plan out these things. So I guess the best next thing to talk about is we kind of like, so that's, that's the I guess that's the more human aspect of it, which is making sure you kind of watch what you eat. Then there's the other part, which is probably not the funnest part for people, which is working out. So Vincent, do you want to talk about us, talk to us about a couple different, like not like different ideas and stuff when it comes to uh, actually getting that exercise in? Yeah. So uh, generally speaking, and I'm not really an expert on this by any means. And I, I recently actually started, like took on a personal trainer for, this is like the, the start of week four and, and I've like, you know, read some books on, on fitness training and watched the videos from a couple of the more of the, like the, uh, more of like the popular trainers out there on YouTube. And when you're talking about weight loss or even, or even weight gain for, for building muscle, when, when you're going to go a weight loss phase, you still want to be working out and actually training your muscles just because your body is in a state when, when you're undergoing weight loss and that it's kind of starving itself, but you still want to tell it that you still want to maintain the current amount of strength that you have. That makes sense. Like uh, your body is adapting to your needs. So if you're actually still working out, like, you know, a few times a week, your body still is trying to maintain the amount of strength that you have. If you're still going, undergoing like strength training. So just be conscious of that. So when you're talking about things that can increase strength, especially you're going to talk about compound movements, essentially exercises that hit a lot of different muscles at, at any given period of time. So, so the mo most important ones are going to be squats, deadlifts, bench presses for chest, uh, barbell rows for your upper back, military shoulder press for your shoulders, pull-ups and dips. And those are considered kind of like more of the more important compound movements. 
since they're kind of mimicking things you'll do in reality, right? Even you're using a barbell in this case, right? But it's mimicking like your body's natural movement, essentially, right? So those are important training routines that you want to keep in mind. I mean, there's also just many other fitness guides out there in terms of what sort of plan you want to go for when you actually want to go undergo training. There's one called 5x5 Stronglist, which is kind of a good one for beginners. And we're not going to go into like super and like a crazy amount of details on like what it is. There's also one called, um, if you ever go on Reddit, there's one called the recommended routine, which kind of goes over through the calisthenics of how you progress through different phases of pushups, right? So you start away from like a girly pushup all the way to like a standard pushup, all the way to like a, a one foot pushup, and then to like one that you use like these Olympic bars or almost like the the things you see that, that gymnasts use like the, that are mm-hmm. above your head. And you put those next to the ground, you do push-ups that way, and that increases your your stabilizers. Or he's like a BOSU ball, which is like a half like a half ball. These one of those half bouncy balls, and you can do push-ups against that. So there's a lot of different ways of of just going through just muscular or strength training. But for me personally, I, I'm kind of going to go more of like a push-pull legs, which is kind of every week I I try to hit every muscle group, and I'll have a few days of rest in between. And this is going more into like the bodybuilding part of this talk, right? More about actual strength training because I'm already finished with my weight loss phase and I'm going under a weight gain phase in which I'm trying to build muscle mass. So kind of like one of my goals, at least to my personal trainer, since my personal trainer is kind of like training, like tailoring this specific routine for me based on my body type, I kind of have like not that much upper body mass, but I have a lot of lower body mass. And that's just, that's just the way I am genetically. So I'm kind of working more on like upper body and in terms of like more of like that beach body look, not in terms of more of like actual strength itself, because that's what we're doing later on down the road. But when it comes to actual training for just looking good and like, and having a lot more upper body mass, is it's, I think that's a goal for, that, that's like, that's a really common goal actually for a lot of guys, honestly. We actually do like, like kind of like that T-shaped body. I don't know. Just whenever you look at men's magazines, like that body. So you want to look like a, like a letter B, like the letter B walking around? I mean, first name is V though. So, I mean, like the thing is like, I have like abnormally large calves like 17 inch calves and like i know like some people are like that's one of the hardest muscle one of the hardest like things to get like bigger as a guy and like you should be blessed with that like i just always had that growing up and that's just because i inherited it from my mom genetically but i have a lot of i'm not really that strong in the upper body so what what my trainer is kind of having me do is we're doing four days of workouts a week well actually one well five workouts like one I do on my own time and two is rest days. So it's always, it's always based on a week by week basis. So strength training traditionally would require you to hit low reps or sorry, a certain number of sets, a set being like, like a phase of how many things you push up and, and, and do. And then reps is the amount of like times you push up that bar. Right. That's it. Yeah. That, that, that's the whole set. And there's a set and then there's a number of reps against that set. When you're doing um, strength training, you're usually going to be doing low reps per set, right? So like if you're doing a bench press and you're trying to go for strength, you're going to be doing somewhere between, you know, like three to five reps, for instance, or just roughly around five reps for, for just going for that strength. But if you're doing mass building, right, and going for upper body, just like looks, which is what I'm going for right now, you're going to be doing a lot more volumetric training which the way that works is you're, you're going through based on like your, your workout routine, you're going for the total amount of weight lifted times the to- total amount of times you lifted it. So you're looking at total amount of weight lifted within that workout. That makes sense. 
So you actually, when you're going for a volumetric building, you're actually going for like 80% reps and going for, or sorry, 80% max amount you can lift, but you're going for a higher number of reps, like 12 to 15. That makes sense. And you're doing that for more of a shorter break period between that time. And that's what we're doing every time. And we're always going straight to hypertrophy, we're going through hypertrophy, hypertrophy training, which is kind of like going to exhaustion. So like we'll work on like one muscle group a day and then another muscle group the next day and then another muscle group the next day, which generally speaking, it's going to be like upper back is one day. Then there's going to be chest another day, biceps and triceps the same day and then legs because you still have to do legs. At least this is from a guy's perspective. You still have to do legs because legs is an important part of building up testosterone and, and, and all these other factors that also impact the amount of gains you get as from protein synthesis and other, all these other factors. So it's an important part of bodybuilding as well. Even though I'm not specifically targeting it, I have to still do it. And then I'll do um, high intensity training afterward, which just generally just mean uh, generally just means going through like sprinting for like one minute and then resting for three minutes, then sprinting again for a minute and then resting for three minutes. So, so that, that's, that's kind of like my workout routine right now. And it's, it's making progress. That's the one where you're trying to like get it to a certain like a uh, heart rate, hold it for a couple, for like, like a minute, then drop it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've been listening to a lot of podcasts recently more on like the health and fitness side in terms of uh, th- this goes more into like more of like adaption, the human body. So if you run for, if you're doing like, half marathons or marathons and like, and doing an extensive amount of cardio, you'll actually lose muscle mass because your body thinks it's like running away from like a predator or something like that. So it would just naturally, you'll naturally slim down and you'll naturally not maintain as much body or as much muscular mass as you traditionally would if you're going through hypertrophy training as well as high intensity training. That makes sense. I'll still have to do cardio. And okay, so this is another thing that I've come across. And if you're going to like a lot more strength training, it's actually a very common occurrence. When you're working out a like your chest for the first time, like going through like and pushing like dumbbell presses or doing bench presses, and you're not traditionally used to doing that much weight at any given point in time, you should also be worried that you have you should be stretching as well in your off days or also doing cardio in the, like after your workout just because I ran into this issue where I actually had my my chest swell and I was at work and I think this was like in February and I was doing a lot of, was, I was doing a lot of training it was swelling and then like I remember doing like a really hard chest workout and like I couldn't breathe for like literally three days. And I thought I was going to like, I literally got to work one day and I was like having a panic attack. Like I, I thought I was going to pass out at any moment in time. And I drove over to the doctor's office and like apparently because I was working out so hard, my muscles near the esophagus lining where, where you're breathing through, right? It actually got constricted. So I was only it felt like I had an asthma attack every couple of seconds. Oh, gosh. That's also one thing you should be worried. You should be wary of if your body is telling you, telling you that, you know, you should take a break and that it's, it's going too hard. You should just take one step back and then move two steps forward. So you have to Correct. kind of feel it out. So you have to be cognizant. And, and actually there have been a lot of studies that say that you should have, you should, when you, when you want to go for strength or muscular training or strength training, you should hit it hard and then have a few days of rest. And that way it resets every time. And, you know, your body can progress much, much more readily. It's better to have three or four really good workouts in the week as opposed to like six smaller workouts. That makes sense. No, I definitely agree. Because, sorry, you just brought something up that's really important. Just don't hurt yourself when working out, even if you feel like you can go more. Funny facts. I used to be really into working out before I got fat. So (laughs) uh, one of the main things I used to be really into picking up a lot of weight. And there was a time period when I started working and I stopped working out. And then it was like, 
only like three months, before, like in between going to the gym. And when I came back, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick right up where I left off, and I can still bench like my normal weight. I can still pick that weight up. It's not not, not an issue. And I just started going at, going at it again without letting my body warm back up to it. And that is actually how I tore a, a high tore a ligament on my wrist. That oh, to this wow. day I can really pick up anything heavy on my. Uh, what is this? My left. Sorry, I'm looking at myself in the camera right now, which is kind of weird when you're trying to figure out which body part you're looking at. But yeah, on my left wrist, I can't actually pick things up. Just be careful about that. I have a really good friend who's like a break dancer, and you know, like when you do break dancing, there's a lot of like very difficult maneuvers where you put all your weight on one arm. And I think he just like he did it for way too many times in a row, and he actually tore his old ligament, and you could see a scar running down his arm. <laughs> So yeah, be cognizant yeah. of that. Be cognizant of overworking yourself. Know your limits and definitely sleep well. Another thing I'll say is uh, that when you're when you're talking about the whole warm up period, that's one important thing I do every time. Like when I'm working with that personal trainer, is I'll actually go on a treadmill and actually I won't like hit it too hard. I'll probably go like six miles per hour and get do like a jog for like five minutes. That way your body's kind of warmed up. I'll just like kind of do a little bit of stretching, like dynamic stretching, not like static stretching while I'm actually doing that jog to kind of like loosen up my body a bit. When we actually hit our first set, we'll usually, when we actually do our first set for the day, so for instance, let's say we're doing chess because that's what I'm doing tomorrow. We'll go on like one of the machines. I don't remember which machine it is. It's the one where you do like the the flies, but it's on like the that you're sitting down the machine itself and the weight is like attached to a string that's attached to the weight. And then, and then when you move your muscles in a lat fly movement, um, the weight goes up. So. It's, it's, like a fly a, machine. it's a fly machine. Yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> it, it sounds like a it sounds like an airplane, but it's a fly machine. We'll actually start off doing that, and we'll actually probably do about I'll do about like fifty percent of what I'm traditionally capable of, or even thirty percent, and we'll do like 15, 20 reps, and then immediately after those fifteen twenty reps, before like I even get a rest break, we'll just go immediately to another fifteen twenty reps. And then like go at like 50%, then 70% weight, then like 80%. And we'll do like four sets of like warm up like that. And that way that prevents injury when we actually go to a harder, like a harder set on like the bench press or anything like that. So it's just a steady progression. So make sure that you always have a warm period. And one other thing I want to add, like with the whole supersetting or that, that's, that's what that's uh that's supersets. There's also something called drop sets, which is generally what you do near the tail end of your workout or end of like your set. And that is when you go up to like, let's say if you're doing like a, a, a squat and you can do like, you know, X number, like, let's just say you could do like 200 pounds. I don't know. Or let's just say a hundred pounds for the sake of convenience of calculation. Let's say you can do a hundred pound squat. You'll do like five reps and then you'll drop it to like 80 pounds and then you do like six reps before without even resting. You know, drop it on like 50 pounds and you'll do like another six reps. And that's, that's a drop set. And that's really good for volumetric training because you're getting a lot of total weight lifted for the entire workout itself. So you generally do like supersets where you progressively load the weight warming up and then like near the end and tail end of your workout, you'll generally do more drop sets and you definitely want to work your muscles to exhaustion because the weight, when you do that, you're breaking down the muscles and then your muscles are rebuilding after then. That's what, that's what makes you stronger. The whole process of building muscle is actually breaking down the muscles and then building it back again through something called protein synthesis, which that goes into the whole science realm. I don't want to talk about. Like all I remember is the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Yeah. The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. <laughs> Yeah, no, they, they, they talk about a lot of that in like in like bodybuilding. There's also other things that we can cover as well, more related to like supplements, which we haven't really covered yet. Do you want to go into that, German? The only ones I can talk about to that is just extra protein, right? I have to I have done pre-workout, which is like calf, it's like Red Bull on steroids. 
<laughs> basically. And then the one I used to take a lot in high school was creatine, which basically it helps build the muscle. Just make sure you're drinking a lot of water. But if you want to go into more details, because I'm pretty sure you're, it's more recent in your memory than it is in mine. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said earlier, like if you're if you're even if you're going under a weight loss or, or even like a weight gain, depending if you're trying to lose fat or trying to gain muscle, you generally want to hit about. I think the research is like zero point five five grams to zero point eight grams of protein to your amount of body weight. So I'm 160 pounds. I need to get roughly. On the higher end, I need to get about 120 grams or I don't know my, my trainer tells me 180 grams, but on the safe side, I need to have at least 120 grams of protein a day, which I know some people will say like, how do I get that much protein a day? And you have to add in protein batter. <laughs> Generally speaking, it's one easy way of getting it in, but you can't have that primarily as your only way of getting protein though. So one of the, one of the things online or one of the, one of the research studies online is um, animal protein versus plant protein. Like for instance, legumes. Is, is like a, a plant protein, right? It's it's if you get it traditionally, it'll have like a certain amount of protein. But when you cook it under, uh, if you steam it up and you cook it, it actually loses about three to four times of its protein amounts after you cook it. But like for animal fats, it actually goes up. So you have to have a nice balance of both animal and fat proteins. If you're vegan, it's a little different. I don't really know exactly what you should do here. But if you're an omnivore like me, you should definitely balance those out too. So so definitely uh, protein powder is a good way to get the protein to build up your muscles, right? For the protein synthesis to occur. But there are other compounds as well that are well-researched and well-studied. And like you said earlier, creatine is probably the most common one. So creatine is used to, what it does is, it, it's a naturally occurring substance that you actually find in red meats, but you will never get the amount of creatine you actually want for bulking up just eating red meats alone. So people generally take supplements and this is in the form of creatine powder. And like I said, it's the most researched supplement out there for actually gaining gaining muscle mass. And it doesn't have really any adhere side effects besides the fact that you have to drink a lot more water because it is increasing the amount of water intake into your muscles, which to my understanding helps you lift more, which then breaks down more muscles, which or breaks down more more of your muscular compounds, which then builds back up again. That's how you get stronger quicker. And it helps make a substance called ATP, which is basically energy for actually doing that. So creatine definitely, when I take it, I feel like I'm actually much more energetic throughout the day as well. Almost in the sense that like, it feels like you're taking caffeine. <laughs> Because I like creatine, if you actually buy a creatine bottle, it actually tells you to go through a creatine loading phase. But every person I've talked to and experts online, actually, it's, a, it's just a myth. You actually don't go through a loading phase where you have like a certain amount of creatine in your body until it's already saturated at that point, And then you maintain it. You just take roughly five grams a day, which is about a teaspoon. And you usually take it in the morning because if you take it at night, it'll actually make you super energetic. So I took one in the morning, one at night, and I couldn't sleep at night. So that's one thing you should be aware of when you're taking creatine. And creatine is usually only something you take if you're going under a bulking phase, not under a weight loss phase, because it's more for building muscle mass. Whereas like if you're undergoing a weight loss phase, you're just trying to maintain your current muscle mass and try to lose as little as possible. Another thing is a pre-workout, like you said, which I just started kind of like trying out for the first time. And that generally kind of varies between what you buy online. But one thing it usually has is caffeine, which kind of makes you really excited and it boosts the amount of things you could actually do because you're just like super pumped up when you go to the gym. So just be wary of that. There's also something called citrulline malate, which improves your blood flow and muscular endurance. And you'll find that on a lot of 
pre-workouts as well. The other compound that's actually in conjunction with that is called beta alanine, which reduces the fatigue and, mus- and boosts muscle gain, which you also take in parallel to that. Those are some of the more research things for pre-workout. The other compound that is used very often for improving your fatigue recovery is called branched chain amino acids. And I don't really know the science behind it, but it just helps the protein synthesis process quicker, which is the breaking down of your muscles and building back of your muscles. You can take it in pill form or powder form. And I take that a few times a day and I take a multivitamin and take some fish oils just for health benefits. So those are probably the most important supplements, just generally speaking. There's other things. I just try to stay away from them just because they're not as well researched and there could be potential side effects to those other things. So that's why I don't take anything else. That's pretty much everything I can think of when it comes to bulking up, or at least in terms of supplements. Did I miss anything, German? I just remember the one thing I don't like taking there is uh, pre-workout because they have what's called like the pre-workout tingles, which is not just the caffeine, it's everything else in there that makes your body like feel like you're having an allergic reaction everything just kind of like yeah 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 so oh actually i just forgot about something another thing is that i totally forgot is meal prepping as well which is a whole different topic but if you have the ability to do your sunday meal preps and 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 this way you can control like what you put into your diet every day definitely go for that so if you have like an instant pot or like a crock pot or whatever you can like cook all your food on sunday maybe it's chili maybe it's just like lemon shredded chicken. I don't know, just something that you can make that, that you can control. That'll definitely help out your, your, either your weight loss plans or your weight gain plans. Maybe if you're trying to lose fat or gain muscle. And there's a common misconception that there, there is a myth that's like, oh, you can turn fat into muscle. That's not how it works. You actually lose one, then you gain the other. So um, yeah. just set that aside and put that, put that aside, that, that, that part's just a myth. So yeah, so there, there's a lot of things when it comes to strength training, which, I mean, I, I, I have a personal trainer right now and I, I know some people are kind of like on the fence, like, oh, I could just YouTube all of this stuff. I mean, that's that's at least how I learned how to do coding. It's like kind of like comparing like coding on your own versus going to a boot camp, you know, the whole conversation of that. It's like personal trainer or learning on your own. <laughs> and actually just, just some like more notes on this. I thought I had good form and like good push-up form my entire life. I've actually been doing push-ups wrong for literally my entire life. <laughs> and having a personal trainer actually identify that has actually been kind of nice. So there's a lot of things that you might think you're doing correctly and you probably are doing it correctly to some extent just by watching videos online. Cause I go sometimes just watch YouTube videos like, okay, this is how you do a bench press. But like, it's very hard to analyze what you're doing unless you're recording yourself and then analyzing post process, but it's just much faster if you just have some pointing out to you. <laughs> so correct. So when you, when you write a bad piece of code, it just kind of, messes up your computer and you can go and get another computer if you mess up bad enough, but you can't go get another body or at least yet you can't go get another body. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you don't want to hurt yourself, which I'm a perfect example of that, I guess. <laughs> and I get asked this too, like how much is like, you know, like people are like, how much is Cody bootcamp and how much is like personal trainers, right? You know, it's, it's, just, it's like this, it's a similar analogy, right? In case you're curious, I haven't told you, but I, I pay like, 30 minute sessions for four days a week and for like a three month, like period duration. So I pay like, and this is at the crunch fitness, which is a nationwide gym. I mean, there's, there's, there's other gyms out there that have different, different plans, but I pay $40 a session and it comes out to like 600 a month, which really isn't that terribly bad. I mean, as a software developer, if you're making good money and you already have your first job, I mean, quarantine aside, it's very complicated, but if you're making good money and you have something to spend and you want to spend money, in a kind of wise investment form, this is something that's really worthwhile to check out. Just make sure that you find a trainer you like, 
make sure you find someone who can definitely point you out in the right direction, kind of feel it out the first day. So definitely highly recommended. I never had a personal trainer before and, you know, I keep up with them, gives me motivation. I was already already motivated to show up to the gym every day anyways, and I was already doing that. But having someone actually help me do the last few sets and like doing assist reps where like you actually get your full body range of motion and like going for the last, like, you know, like the the last set where you're like, I can't do it. It's like struggling. And then like, he just puts puts his arm under your arms and helps you do that bench press. Like it actually really helps out um, going for those gains. So Definitely that. And there's also kind of a placebo effect and he's actually helping you, but he's not really, and you feel like you can do it better. So um, you're tricking your mind to actually working harder than it really is. Sometimes the trainer's like, all right, give me 12 reps, Vincent. And I do 12 reps. He's like three more. I'm like, dude, are you serious? <laughs> so, so just, just, uh, yeah, just, just definitely something we're checking out. Depends on the gym, depends on the trainer, but I've had good experiences. Cool. So, Yes, I have nothing else to say. But I guess since we've been talking about all this working out, you think it's time to get some dessert? Yeah, I'm down for dessert. Oh, can you tell us, the audience uh, what dessert is? Definitely. So dessert time is kind of like our own little personal sections to rant about things. It's really just like a little free-for-all or a blog, however you want to call it. But we all kind of get to talk about different things that are going in our lives. I guess let's start off. Um, originally, my notes I had written down talk about fitness but that's what we've been doing for like the past 50 minutes so I guess we're gonna switch it up a little bit so we'll talk about something a little bit nerdy so lately I've been kind of like messing around with my desk setup trying to get like the best desk setup since I think I'm not gonna be going back to the office for a while oh for sure yeah so I actually like working lately I've been working on mostly like using Linux distributions rather than just using like Mac OS or things like that because I don't know it just feels like I, I work better it, it just feels nicer. So I've been work, I've been trying to teach myself how to properly use this thing called iTree, which is a window manager, mm-hmm. which is like on the realm of like if you want to get really nerdy, like you can. It's basically BIM, but mm-hmm. for your desktop. So you can. It's just you can just put Windows. You can do everything with your keyboard, which is really nice. It's just really it's really weird in the beginning, but I don't know. Have you ever have you ever like used heard about it? Is it kind of like, I have Mac, I, I use both the Mac OS and I use a Windows computer, but on Mac, the terminal experience is much better because it's a Unix shell. Have you ever used iTerm2? I have. Is it is it kind of like that experience is that you can have like one, I can like have a hockey that like immediately puts up the term, all my terminals all in one go and then turn and then like hide it right away. And what I do actually is I put like a, like CD into like 10 different repositories and like 10 different folders and I'll just put like code, like I'll type in the word code and then period and that's the command for opening up vs code that's how i switch between projects really quickly is it kind of like that experience like i've, I've used them before but i'm not really a fan of them honestly i use when i use like a linux operating system i use nano oh, you're horrible so i'm gonna show <laughs> you a video we can actually link in the show notes you don't have to watch the whole thing just kind of page through it and you'll see exactly what i was talking about but anyways Vincent, that's what i've been working on what have you been doing lately uh so lately one of our mutual friends, Wilfredo, you know Wilfredo, right? He's he's like, oh, you went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he works at like a simulation company. Like he he does like Unity development for a place that like does military simulations, which that's like all under contract and NDA. So I can't really talk about what it is, even though I know what it is. He invited me out to go do wakeboarding, and not just any wakeboarding, not like wakeboarding on a boat, which is I've done that once in my life, in like 2011. But this is like wakeboarding in a cable line park, which is kind of like. A really interesting experience. So it's kind of like a combination of zip lining, where you have the cables and you're like kind of like go all the way down, and then like 
instead of like a zip line, you have, you're just attached to a trolley that like goes around the circle in a lake and you're just like, all right, is it coming? It's coming. <laughs> right. So that was kind of an interesting experience. I did that actually before July 4th and I didn't think I remembered anything with actual zipline or with a uh, wakeboarding just because it's been so long, but I've been skateboarding recently and longboarding and I went snowboarding like a few months back before quarantine started. So I was kind of surprised that I actually got in my first try. <laughs> like I got like maybe like a hundred feet where I fell off <laughs> and it, it's definitely a fun experience if you ever have a chance. And if you live in like the, like the, like more of like the warmer waters, like Florida or Texas or anywhere with the coastal beach line, or actually just a lake. I mean, just any lake in general that has like that built-in cable line system. Definitely recommend it. It was a lot of fun. And I face planted a lot, a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, one of the, one of the, one of the more fun experiences is it, it's actually like a skateboard park, except there's like little skating things in the middle of the lake. So you can like actually do like, you can actually grind on the, uh, on like one of the ramps going upward. And Wilfredo was doing that. Or you can also jump off ramps and do tricks, which I can't do, honestly. I've, I saw some people doing like 180s and 360s and sometimes doing like kick. Uh, I don't even know what they call it, like pump shove it, I guess. Like where you just grab, the, I don't even know what the skateboard terms are called, but like and what the trans, the equivalent in, in wakeboarding is. But it, it's closer to snowboarding, actually, in terms of like the different movements. But this one part, like I got all the way end to the end of the lake and like the cable line, if you're on the inside of the cable, like if you're in the inside perimeter of the cable you undergo experience like when that cable turns at the corner of the lake like the slack just completely dies off because you're supposed to be at the edge of the lake uh-huh. to maintain angular momentum and it just stopped right when i got there and i didn't like this was the first time experiencing it and like literally like i just like immediately just face planted because <laughs> you're, not, you're not maintaining any 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 momentum at the point you're, you're, your first thing is just like fall straight forward because you get immediately get jolted to the other side so that was a fun experience. It was definitely very intense, very intense because you have to walk and swim a lot. And the swimming part was kind of a pain when you get stuck in the middle of the lake and you have to swim with your board back. <laughs> but yeah, that that's 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 it for me. Sweet. So um, I mean, that's all we have for today, guys. You want to sign us off, Vincent? Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in to Coach Us, and we'll see you in the next one. Definitely. Take care, guys, and be safe. Thanks for dining with us on Code Chefs. We hope we satisfied your hunger. For show notes and more insider info on today's topic, visit our website at www.codechefs.dev. Plus, follow us on Twitter at CodeChefsDev. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and join us back here for the next one. Uh, Check, please.